Today's scripture reading comes from Ezekiel 34, verses 1 through 24. Hear the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth, with none to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey, and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts, since there was no shepherd, and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves, and have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand, and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths, that they may not be food for them. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land, and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the ravines, and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. As for you, my flock, says the Lord God, behold, I judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and male goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture that you must tread down with your feet the rest of your pasture and to drink of clear water that you must muddy the rest of the water with your feet? And must my sheep eat what you have trodden with your feet and drink what you have muddied with your feet? Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, Behold, I, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep, because you push with side and shoulder and thrust it all the week with your horns till you have scattered them abroad. I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey, and I will judge between sheep and sheep, and I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. This is the word of the Lord.
you may be seated. Well, good morning, church. Uh, my name is Caleb Jenkins, and I'm one of the pastors here at Christ Community, and I'm super excited to be sharing a message with you all today from God's Word. And I'm actually so excited this morning that by accident, I accidentally shoplifted this morning at Walmart, because I was so excited to preach today. I don't know if you noticed, we had different coffee cups today. Um, we're really missing brandy here already, just one week after she's gone, and our coffee cups are on back order. They normally have, so I went to Walmart this morning to buy some, and I was just thinking about the sermon, and I just you know, went, to, went straight to like, the, the cups aisles, grabbed a bunch of cups, and just walked right out of the store. <laughs> and I didn't realize until I got here, and I like, looked over, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I never paid for these. <laughs> and so, you know, now everyone here with one of those cups, you're my fellow accomplice in, 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 the, in, this, in this crime. But no, my plans later this afternoon after the service today is to go back to that store and ask for forgiveness and to pay, you know, for those, those three things of cups. So I'm really excited and I hope you guys are excited as well. Um, but before we jump in to, to the message, I just want to pray for us. I, I need it and I think we all need to hear uh, that word from God today. So would you please pray with me? Dear Lord, I thank you for this chance and this privilege uh, to gather together with fellow believers and to worship you and hear you speak to us. God, I ask that you would empower me to speak your word clearly and effectively today, and I pray for all of us to have ears to hear what you, what you would have to say to us today, and that we would not just be hearers only, but doers as well, and that we become the kind of people that you created us to be. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So to start off today, I'd like to tell you about the worst boss I've ever had. I know what some of you may be thinking, and no, it's not Pastor Gabe. And, you know, and he's actually, you know, a wonderful person to work for and with. And I'm not just saying that because it's his birthday today. But it is his birthday, so make sure you wish him a happy birthday on your way out this morning. But no, the worst boss I've ever had was actually my first job. So I worked at a Kumon Learning Center. And Kumon is a place where, where students will go off for school and they'll kind of not get help with their homework, but actually we give them extra homework to make them super smart and, like, be able to read and do math beyond their grade level. And so I was a tutor there, but I had this boss who had really high expectations. At the same time, she did not really help us or work with us as tutors to implement those high expectations. So of course, we would fail short and make mistakes, and that would be met with yelling, being berated in front of other staff, in front of the students and parents as they would come in. So it was a very stressful environment to work in. Not only that, but there were some illegal business practices going on. So I was paid below minimum wage for like a month. We were paid monthly instead of bi-weekly, which is also against the law in Illinois. And quite often we were told like, to work for a little while before clocking in, which is you know, also against the law. But I could deal with those things. You know, it's just my first job. Everyone has a bad first job, I could deal with it. But what really like, was the final straw for me and caused me to like, want to quit was when we had our performance reviews. So some of you should know, students don't like coming to Kumon. What kid wants to, after school, go do more homework? So I would try my best to like, make it fun for them, to get to know the kids, to be encouraging and uplifting, and to make it, make it fun, make them enjoy coming to Kumon. But so we're doing our performance reviews, and we do these as a staff team like, all together, like all the staff, and she just goes like, person by person in front of all of us, like, giving us our like, feedback. And she gets, finally gets to me, and she's like, Caleb, you know what your problem is? You're too enthusiastic with these students. Like, you really, like, kids don't come to Kumon to have fun. Kids come to Kumon to learn. And so you need to, like, be a little more serious with these kids and a little more strict with them and not, like, make it a, an enjoyable experience. And I was just, like, shocked. Like, here, here I was, thought I was doing a really good job of, like, making it fun for these students to be here. But actually, I was failing short again of expectations. And so that was about, like, four months into the job, and I just, like, quit. I had enough, and I, I left, got another job. But years would go by. I would drive by that same street, the same street corner where Kumon was, even after like, it was no longer there and it was like a dry cleaner, drive by that same storefront 
and my stomach would just turn to knots just driving by that, that store um, and just feel my filled with anxiety and all those memories come rushing back. And, I, and unfortunately, you know, I'm sure I'm not the only person here right, who's had a terrible boss. Right? Unfortunately, a lot of people have dealt with that. And horrible bosses are really the worst, I think, because they can just ruin a workplace. Right? It takes one bad boss to make a workplace not enjoyable to go to. And that's because leadership is that powerful. Leadership is something that has the capacity to produce such goodness, but in a fallen world can be so easily twisted and produce such harm in our lives. This is true for all kinds of leadership, whether you're a president of a country, uh, you can lead, take that country to, to ruin, whether you're a CEO of a big corporation, you know, one bit bad CEO can take a major corporation and turn it bankrupt within a year, or you're a pastor. It's so not to take very seriously that one bad pastor not leading well and leading selfishly and in abusive ways can really harm people and really paint a poor picture of who God is. But our bad leaders aren't only external, they're also internal as well. When I am led by my own wounds or insecurities or, or my warped desires, I can produce some of that same pain and frustration in myself. I'll speak my own example. Um, even after I stopped working at Kumon and was just kind of on my own, not having a job, I can still produce those same levels of anxiety and stress in my own life when I'm letting myself be led by my perfectionism or my insecurities. And I, I don't like this distinction between, please remember when I say external bo bosses can be, uh, leaders can be bad, also internal leaders can be bad. I don't make this distinction to excuse like bad or abusive leadership because certainly if you're under an abusive leader or a terrible leader, for a season having no leader is certainly better than being under that terrible leader. But it's actually not the best that God has for us. God actually wants us to be under a good leader who leads us to our best. Um, we, we, and we need that. We need that better leader who will lead us to our best and we actually need is a better shepherd. So today, if you're just joining us, we've been going through this series uh, called He Shall Be Called, and we're looking at the names of God. So we're looking at these Old Testament names of God that reveal his character, what kind of God he is, and we're seeing how those get revealed and get more perfectly um, displayed in Jesus and his coming to earth. And today, we're looking at the name Jehovah Ra'ah, which means the Lord, our shepherd. And this is a, a pretty common name throughout the entire Old Testament. It's probably best known from Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But throughout the entire Old Testament, this, this name um, the Lord being described as a shepherd is used over and over again. And there's a couple main reasons that it's, be, it's used in that way. And first, it kind of communicates the kind of leadership that God has for his people. It's a leadership like a shepherd leading his sheep to what's best for them and for the benefit of the sheep. Because shepherding communicates the kind of tender care and compassion, a provision and protection that the shepherd does for the sheep. But also, this image is, is important because it communicates the need for sheep for a shepherd. So I'm curious, who here has spent a lot of time around sheep? Anyone has spent like a good amount of time in this room with sheep? Anybody? No one. Me neither. I haven't either. I've lived in cities my whole life or around cities my whole life. And so I've not spent a lot of time around sheep. Don't understand always the agrarian background to scripture. That's why it's important to kind of learn that and, and dig deep into that. And so today I have this really fun video, 15-second video, that I'm going to show you guys to help you understand sheep. And this is all you need to know about sheep. So if you can play that, that video now. <laughs> I, I love that video so much. But anyone else, when you see that video, just go like same. Like that's just me in my life. That's actually live footage of me like going through my regular life, jumping into the same mistakes over again. I know the consequences. A couple, all right, a couple people, no one. All right, it's, it's just me. Cool, cool. That's fine. But that's, that's why we need a better shepherd. Because like sheep who just in a ditch and get pulled out by a shepherd, 
immediately, not even two seconds later, jumps back right in again, right? We as human beings can, can get caught doing things that aren't best for us, and we need a better shepherd who's going to lead us to what's best. And that's what I want to talk about today, about, about how we need a shepherd who leads us to our best. And today, through looking at Ezekiel 34, we're, we're going to first see, um, we're going we're to see why we need a better shepherd. So like, what's the, really the problem? And I think we'll find the problem of bad leadership is actually worse than we thought. We're going to also look at who this better shepherd is, what his character's like, and then finally we're going to look at how he shepherds us. What does it practically look like for God to come in and be the shepherd of his people? So first, why do we need a better shepherd? This is because every other shepherd, both internal and external shepherds, will eventually lead us to death, destruction, and ruin. So as you turn to Ezekiel 34 in your, in your Bibles or your, your Bible apps, uh, I just want to give you some background to this passage. So in our passage, the prophet Ezekiel is speaking to a group of Israeli exiles who have been exiled from Israel and are in Babylon, and he's speaking to them and recording God's word of judgment against the shepherds of Israel. Now, the shepherds this refers to the national leaders of the nation of Israel, the priests and the kings who had been leading in a, in, a, in a bad way and taking the role of leadership that God had given them and using that which was meant to produce such goodness and using that to create evil. And that's why God's so upset. We read those words that were vivid and stark and serious words of judgment that God had for these shepherds. And it wasn't just because like, they were doing a bad job, but it was more than that. They'd taken something God had given them to produce such goodness and wholeness and lead his people in a restorative way and were using it to produce evil. And that's true in, in so many areas of life. The capacity for extraordinary goodness is also the same capacity that can be used for extraordinary harm and evil. Just think about like a good friendship, right? Like a, a hurtful comment from a stranger like, doesn't, isn't that big a deal at times. Compared to a really close friend, your best friend saying something hurtful towards you, it hurts so much more. And that's because the, the intimacy of that relationship and the capacity for goodness that exists in there also can be twisted at the same capacity can be used to inflict a great harm. So that's what you see here in the leadership in this passage, that these shepherds who are meant to be, um, represent God to his people and lead his people well, were doing such a poor job of that, and that's why he is so upset, and that's why it was so evil and twisted what they were doing. You see, Israel has used this, sh- this language of shepherd throughout the Old Testament to describe both God's leadership of them and also how people were supposed to exercise God's rule of them as well. So the first time that's used, this language of shepherd, is in Genesis 48. And Jacob is describing um, God as someone who has been his shepherd all his life long in Genesis 48 when he's blessing his children, reflecting on his life on his deathbed. He's blessing his kids. And he says, God, you have been my shepherd my whole, all my life long. And if you know the story of Jacob, this means a lot. This is a guy who's been through a lot of ups and downs in his life of betraying people and being betrayed left and right. But he reflects on his life, and this is the image that sticks with him, that God through it all, the ups and downs, God has been his shepherd. Later, Israelites use the same imagery of shepherding to talk about how God's leadership is exercised through people. So in Psalm 77, uh, the psalmist records that God led his people like a flock. It's that shepherding image. But it was done by the hands of Moses and Aaron. So Moses and Aaron, this prophet and priest, are leading God's people out of Egypt and the Exodus to the promised land. And this is how God's leadership is happening, through the hands of Moses and Aaron. And this most um, prominently gets described often with David, who's, who's a king. And David, when he is enthroned as king of Israel, it's reported by the elders there that God, the Lord told him that he shall be the shepherd over Israel, the prince over God's people. And so that is, is another time that, that we see the kings of Israel being called the shepherds to influence and impact their people as God uh, in the shepherding way that God does as well. 
But this shouldn't surprise us, right? God ruling through human beings, because this is actually how God has always intended to exercise his rule in this world. So from the very first pages of scripture in Genesis 1, uh, God says that he created man and woman, he created uh, human beings in his image. He said, let us make man, this is male and female, in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so God creates human beings to be in his image and to have dominion. These are linked together in, in that passage. Because this image language is actually used really often in the ancient Near East, most commonly used to describe how kings would set up statues and images of themselves in places they weren't geographically present in order to communicate their authority in those regions. People would see the statue of the king and realize, okay, I remember this person's in charge and that would, statue would essentially rule for the king. And this happens in many countries even today. So where I grew up in Uganda, um, every store by law was required to have a, pre a picture of the president right when you walked in. So this is a shoe store here. And if you every time you walk into the shoe store, any establishment you go into, you see a picture of his excellency, General Yoweri Katunga Museveni. And in case you've forgotten, Museveni's still the president. 34 years later, he's still the president in case you've forgotten. And so, you know, every, in every country in the ancient Near East did this as well. Kings would put up statues of themselves and images of themselves to remind people who was in charge. In the same way, God is saying here in Genesis that he creating human beings, not just leaders, but every single human being to be his image bearer, to represent his rule and authority to the world. And all of us here today in this room too are image bearers and have places in our life that, we, that God has given us influence that we are supposed to shepherd and steward well to display who God is and glorify him in that way. No matter, no matter whether we have a, a, an official position of leadership in an organization or, or not, everyone has places of influence in our workplaces, in our families, our friend groups, neighborhoods, our finances. We have areas of our life that we are meant to shepherd and we have authority over and use those to uh, display who God is to the world. But the problem is because of sin, uh, that often doesn't happen, that we seek to please ourselves instead of serve other people, and that creates the harm we see so often and brokenness we see in this world. So as we, as we return back to Ezekiel 34, we see these shepherds, right, created, in, created by God and set apart by him to have this unique role of helping people and representing God to the world, but instead they use that capacity to better themselves and hurt people. So God condemns them for abusing their power and for bettering themselves and not caring for the sheep like they were supposed to lead. And verse two through six, it kind of walks through this. The verses two through six kind of highlight, highlight this in a few ways, that they fed themselves rather than the sheep. They clothed themselves in the wool of the sheep. They slaughtered the fat sheep and consumed their fat. These are all pictures and images of extractive leadership, of these leaders using their power to take advantage of those underneath them. But it's interesting, God does not only condemn them for these things they have done to abuse the sheep, but he actually condemns them for things they have left undone. They were proper areas of their authority they were meant to exercise and, and rule over people to better them that they weren't doing. They did not strengthen the weak, nor heal the sick. They didn't bind up the injured. There were those that were in pain and in need. They did not work to restore. And because of this, they, they, they did not seek out right, the lost sheep and, and find them. And because of that, the sheep were scattered across the region, and this kind of refers to the exile that happened, where after Israel's leaders failed, the people were scattered into Babylon and across other areas. So these leaders, they had a responsibility to properly teach and model who God is to the people of Israel, but they failed to do that. They didn't properly display who God is, and as a result, the people went after idols and ended up being exiled from their land. But as a result of their abusive leadership and failing to kind of show that good role that God intended, God speaks against them and judges them. And in verse 10, he says this, 
He says, thus says the Lord God, behold, I'm against the shepherds and I'll require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths. They may not be food for them. So God speaks out against these shepherds and he, spe- he condemns them for fa- failing, falling short of this role he had given them and using that capacity for goodness and turn it into capacity for evil. And he removes them from that and says later that he will step in and be the shepherd and end their place. But you know what strikes me is what God does not say, right? As a modern Western person, if I was looking at this, I would say, you know, God, the problem is shepherds, right? The shepherds are being so bad, let's just take these shepherds and get rid of them. Let's have sheep just run the show. Just sheep do what they want. Every individual sheep just doing its own good and we'll be fine, right? That's not what God says. And God actually, later on, he steps in and says he's actually against some members of the flock. He's against some of the, sh- the sheep who in the absence of good shepherd, shepherds abused other sheep. So in verse 17, that's what God says. He says, as for you, my flock, thus says the Lord God, behold, I judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and male goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture that you must tread down with your feet the rest of the pasture and to drink of clear water that you must muddy the rest of the water with your feet? And must my sheep eat what you have trodden with your feet and drink what you have muddied with your feet? Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, behold, I, I myself will judge between fat sheep and lean sheep because you have pushed with side and shoulder and thrust at all the weak with your horns till, till you have scattered them abroad. So God is speaking against these sheep who in the absence of good shepherds were overindulging. Like sheep, if they don't have a shepherd, they're gonna eat too much and then ruin the pasture or drink from this clear water and in doing so, muddy it and ruin it for the other sheep. People as well, can, when they're pursuing their own desires without any leadership or without any person to submit to, they can do things that will harm other people and harm themselves as well. It also talks about the fat sheep and the sheep with horns using their size and strength to push other sheep away and take advantage of them, referring back to people in Israel who had means and authority and wealth and were using that to take advantage of the poor or take advantage of other people who were less powerful and marginalized in that society. And so, the, the, so this is something that we face even today, right? So we have this modern Western ideal in our culture, right, that so long as I don't harm anyone else, I can do whatever I want, Right? If, if I, I'm, I'm free to do whatever I want as long as I don't restrict someone else's freedoms. And this sounds good in theory and in the ideal. It sounds great. But the problem is that it doesn't work in reality because either you know, you're going to hurting yourself. Actually, most of the things we think that don't hurt anyone else actually harm ourselves in the long run. But even if we don't see it initially how it harms someone, those patterns of behavior in the long run can lead other people into pain and suffering. So just one quick example is like consumerism that we have in our culture, that we have the strong passion and desire um, to just have more and more stuff, accumulate more and more for ourselves. And this pressure that we have in our culture, it ends up putting a pressure on businesses to find as many ways as they can to cut costs, whether that be paying workers less than what they're worth or cutting corners and, and, and not taking care of the environment well. And so my like individual desire to just you know, have lots of cheap clothes, for example, and to have a wardrobe full of them can actually have ripple effects that combined with other people as well in that desire can lead people like halfway across the world having to work in sweatshops and really being taken advantage of and having practices that damage the environment. And, and not only does that consumerism hurt other people, but it can hurt myself as well in the long run. If I'm seeking after just possessions, I'll feel empty and not live the life that God's called me to live. The reality is we can't avoid being led by someone or something, whether it, it, it can either be an abusive leader externally or it can be our own wounds or insecurities or warped desires inside ourselves. What we need is a better shepherd because every other shepherd, both internal and external, will lead us to our worst. And we'll take that 
God-given capability and capacity to lead, to produce goodness, order, and beauty, and take that and produce harm and pain in our lives. So we talked about why, so let's look at who. Who is this better shepherd? What kind of character does he have? What, how does God reveal himself to be as a shepherd? So in response to the failure of these bad shepherds of Israel, God steps in and says he instead is going to shepherd his people. He will carry out the proper life-giving roles of leadership that Israel's priests and kings fail to do. So in verse 15, God, God says this. He says, uh, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I, will, I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the straight. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak. The fat and strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. So if you see here in that, in that section, God goes through and everything that those bad shepherds were doing, if you notice that, he's going to do the opposite. So unlike the bad shepherds who weren't feeding the sheep and just feeding themselves, God steps in and says, no, I will make the sheep lie down. And if you're like me, um, when I first read that, I conjured this image in my mind of the shepherd coming up to the sheep and just like pushing it into the ground, like making it go to sleep, like, like really, really forcefully. But that's actually not what it means. I mean, maybe, maybe no one else thought that, but that's what I thought. Uh, and that, but actually what that means for, for a shepherd to make or to cause his sheep to lie down, that just means the shepherd feeds the sheep, it has its basic needs met, and the sheep feel safe and secure, and then it will lie down and go to sleep. That's all the sheep needs. And the same way God's saying that his, he's going to take care of his people, he's not, they're not going to maybe live as lavishly as they would on their own, necessarily, but he'll take care of their needs. He can, you can trust him to be with, that he will be with them, and they can ha- be at peace because of that. Also, unlike the bad shepherds, he will seek out and rescue the sheep. So these, these bad shepherds let the sheep be scattered and became prey for the wild animals, but God's saying, I'm going to step in, I'm going to go out, seek them out, and bring them back. Speaking of how he's going to bring back Israel from exile and bring them back into the promised land. Also unlike the bad shepherds who didn't heal any of the, bro- the hurt or injured sheep, God says he will heal them and he will bind up the weak. God has, a ta- God has a tender heart for the brokenhearted and seeks after their healing and restoration. Also unlike the bad shepherds who ruled with force and harshness, God says that he will shepherd with justice. So God is neither like a cosmic teddy bear who's just perfectly comfortable with people doing whatever they want if it hurts themselves and other people, but nor is he a harsh taskmaster who's seeking to extract from people all he can, but he leads in accordance with what is right. He brings people and leads his people into their best. Now, this might be hard for us to accept. It's hard for me to accept at times, if I'm honest, because often what I think is best and what God thinks is best do not always align. And it can be hard also to trust that God, God to lead us our best if we've had experiences with leaders in the past, right? Who were who said they wanted to bring us our best and we've trusted them too, but they left us burned and hurt instead. But let's remember this video from the beginning, right, that I showed you of the sheep being stuck in the ditch and this image of the shepherd-sheep relationship, that, shep- that sheep need a shepherd, a good shepherd, to lead them what's best. Right now, I'm sure that sheep, to be stuck in the ditch like that, was incredibly uncomfortable for how the shepherd was pulling it out with like a belt and like kind of yanking it out like that. I, I would not want to be that sheep being pulled out in that way. But had the shepherd not done that, that sheep would have stayed in that ditch till it starved to death. Right? If it was on its own without a shepherd, it would have brought us to its very end. And also that sheep, like three seconds afterwards, it runs on the corner and jumps back in the same ditch again. Like, did it, did it just forget in those three seconds that how terrible it was to be in that ditch and how he was going to starve to death there? But often, I know I can be the same way. I can be, be caught in patterns of behavior that I know aren't good for me, that I know aren't good for me or other people. And I can, after, after doing it, I can forget the negative consequence and need, and need someone to pull me out of that ditch. And the beauty of, of, of God is that he is the kind of shepherd who will jump into that ditch again and again and pull us out over and over again. Even though we make the same mistakes, 
and fall short again and again, God is someone who will step in that ditch and bring us out. And so this is why, right, this is why we can trust God, that in the same way, we, in our brokenness, we have a warped sense of what is right, but God, as someone who knows more, is able to lead us into what our best is. But, so we talked about why, and we talked about who God is, and like, lastly, how, how he shepherds us. So what does it practically mean for God to become the shepherd of his people? So in verse 23, God, God answers this and steps in, and he says, and I, and I myself will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will feed them. He shall, he shall be their shep, feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord, and I have spoken. Now, if you know the history of Israel, you'll know that even after the exile, they return back to Israel, and they are set back up in their land. But once again, they set up bad, corrupt leaders and kings, set up bad priests again, and they get caught in the same cycle of sin and turning against God. And this just really demonstrates this, this tension, this dilemma that runs right through the whole Old Testament, that God needs to be king and needs to be the shepherd, but people don't follow him, and so they need a human shepherd. And this passage kind of holds up this tension as well. It says, right, God says, I myself will shepherd the people, right? And he also says, I will set up my servant David as a shepherd, but there will only be one shepherd. Hmm. How is that going to work? This tension is, is in many other passages in the Old Testament as well, that the, the shepherd must be God, right? Because only God is able to perfectly lead. But also, like, people, even when God's leading perfectly, don't follow him. People need someone they can see and follow and see and, and relate to um, to lead them. And so the shepherd must be human. But human leaders are always going to fall short and make mistakes. And so the shepherd must be God, who's, who's perfect, who will only lead perfectly. But, you know, God created, like I talked about earlier, created the world to be run by humans and be led by humans from the very beginning, making us in his image. And so the shepherd must be human. But human beings, right, we have limited knowledge. We don't understand anything. We have limited power. So the shepherd must be someone who's all-powerful and all-knowing. So only God, right? But it was humanity that ruined the world through sin. And so if, if the world's going to be made right, then humanity has to be made right. But also it was humanity that ruined the world through sin. And so humanity has no hope apart from God being the shepherd and leader of his people. Is anyone else dizzy going back and forth between this? I'm getting, I'm getting dizzy up here. But this beautiful distinction finds this beautiful resolution 2,000 years ago when God uh, comes in the person of Jesus that over 2,000 years ago in a city outside of, of, of Jerusalem, in Bethlehem, the city of David, in this dirty cave in the middle of nowhere, uh, as, as Ma- a, a, a son, a descendant of David, is born to Mary, a peasant girl. And this little baby boy who's laid in a feeding trough is actually in some mysterious way that even blows my mind today and boggles and confuses every, most of the astounding minds today is the embodiment of the God of Israel. This is the creator God who existed from before creation and is now stepping into creation as a vulnerable human being. And this resolution of this need for a divine shepherd and human shepherd finds its resolution, this tension finds its resolution in the person of Jesus and his arrival is also greeted by a group of marginalized and poor shepherds who welcome him in and, 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 and praise God for sending a new king to, to them. And as Jesus grows up throughout his entire life, he embodies, his life and ministry embodies the personal shepherding leadership of God. He offers peace and comfort to those who are afflicted he seeks out the lost, the marginalized, the forgotten society. He heals the sick and cares for the wounded and brokenhearted. And he shepherds with justice. He speaks out both against injustice and he speaks out against self-righteous people. But at the same time, he offers forgiveness to sinners and he raises up the lowly. And ultimately, God shepherds us through becoming a human in the person of Jesus 
who is the good shepherd who laid down his life for us. So Ezekiel 34 and these other passages that talk about God as shepherd were actually some of Jesus' favorite passages to describe his own ministry. He referenced them again and again throughout the Gospels. And one passage I want to, to read for us today that really shows us really well is John chapter 10. It's going to be on the screen as well. And this is Jesus speaking about these bad religious leaders and these abusive shepherds in his own day. And he's communicating how he is so much different than them. So he's speaking of these shepherds when he says this, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I came that they might have life to have it and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. Just think back to Ezekiel 34. We see that same language here. He flees it because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. And just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. So we see here that Jesus is saying that he is that good shepherd and we can trust, the reality is we can trust that God will lead us to what's best because he pursued our best even when it cost him his life. And just think about that. Like God loves you that much, not in some vague, abstract, and personal way, but in a deeply real and personal and tangible way that he left heaven and came to earth and he died a death he didn't deserve to save you and me. Because all of us, like sheep have gone astray, we have all taken that capability and capacity that we have, that God's been given us, created in his image, to produce goodness and order and beauty, and we've taken that and we use that to destroy ourselves and other people. And so only rightly we deserve the natural consequence for that. We deserve the consequence, the devastation, the death and destruction that our own actions will lead us to. But God isn't content to leave us in that ditch, but he comes and he says, you know what, like, I'm going to step in in the person of Jesus and I'm going to take your place on the cross that though you deserve death, I'm going to take that on myself and I will lay down my life for you so that you become forgiven and have a new life with me. And we can trust, even today, we can trust that God will lead us to our best even when things don't make sense because he laid down his life for us. He pursued our best even when it cost him his worst. See, Jesus, he's a polar opposite of every bad religious leader in his day and every abusive leader today that he pursued our best even when it cost him his life. And we can trust in that. And we can trust him even when his commands seem hard. We can trust him when the way doesn't make sense and doesn't feel good to us. We can trust him to lead us to what's best for us. And so in response today, let's follow the shepherd. I just want to encourage you to reflect where in your life do you know you've been not following his leading and you've been going your own way? Is it in a relationship you may have? Is it in kind of your heart posture towards other people? Maybe it isn't how you're seeking to live out a desire or, or, or wish you have, but in a way that actually harms yourself in the long run. You know it's going to harm yourself in the long run and it's hurting other people as well. Is it in your finances? What, where is it in your life that you are letting yourself be led by something other than God, internal or external, that's actually leading you to your worst and not your best? One great tool that we have here at, at church that we've, we've make, made here at Christ Community to really help us kind of continue in daily, listen to God and kind of follow his direction, it's called the form.life. If you don't know what this is, it's a daily devotional created here by the pastors. And uh, it's, it's a simple, you know, we can send an email to your inbox or you can pick up our journal and take it each day and it helps guide you in reading scripture and prayer and some spiritual practice. As we look forward to this new year, I mean, I don't know how many people, me, self included, every year, New Year's resolution is right, I want to be in the scripture more, I want to pray more. But we've created this tool and we really, really hope it can be helpful for those of you that can to help you get in those habits and practices of reading scripture regularly, of praying regularly, of doing disciplines, to listen to God, our shepherd, and to follow his guidance. So as we are submitting right to the shepherd and following him to lead us what's best, 
What's also going to happen, what we should also let happen, is for us to be able to lead like him as well. But as God shepherds us, we become better able to shepherd and care for those God has entrusted with us. As I said earlier, all of us are in the image of God. All of us have areas in our life, even if we don't have a position of influence or position of leadership officially in an organization, all of us have areas of life where we have influence at our workplace, in our families, in friend groups, our neighborhood. We have all areas of our life that God's given us. And what would it look like in each of those areas if you showed up with that heart, that shepherding heart that God has given us through his Holy Spirit, that we are seeking the best of other people, we are seeking their good, what's best for them, even when it might cost us our preferences, that we're going to seek after what is best for other people and really put that into practice. So let's allow ourselves, right, to be led by this good shepherd who seeks our best so that we're also able to care for those we're responsible for, for their best as well. So please pray with me as we close. Dear Lord, I thank you uh, for the sacrifice that you made uh, 2,000 years ago where you died on the cross for us and took the sin that, and, and took the punishment that we deserve and you took it on yourself. And God, I ask that today we, we are reminded of that truth and that we tr- can grow to trust you, God, that you are not like any other person who's led us astray or even ourselves led us into hard situations, but you, God, lead us into what's best for us. And I ask that you reveal that, way, that to us and direct us and guide us in that way and, allow, and empower us to put that into practice. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.